hot and rotten out to the LBC, Long Beach, California with original Long Beach Crip, Rolling 360 Crip. That's our next interview with Hot Rod. Stage day. You know what? Hot Rod way out there. And Viva Las Vegas now again. I met him through Ruckus Wild King. Because you know money gets money. They were roommates. They combined together. They're now doing the same old thing. Making money. Making that magic. That magic is the way to industry. But it's also the way of life. Hot Rod tells us how his mother made a big impact on his life and on the choices he made. I don't want to get away all the story, but I can tell you what, Hot Rod used what he learned in the classroom, which he did start there, but he realized, hey, I don't need this right now. I already graduated from high school and I can take it to the next level by using my brains. You know what? That's what he did. He proved it. He called it the Dove Game. The Dove Game, I let him tell you what the Dove Game is. I don't want to give away his entrepreneurship. Anyway, make sure you sit back, gather all these facts and all this knowledge, because you know what they say, the game to be sold is not to be told. Turn up. Here we are at Voices to Heard Around the World, and we have another great entrepreneur coming from out there in Las Vegas, and I'll let him introduce himself. What's cracking, y'all? This is Ballistic out of Long Beach, California, and now my man Tony about to get it cracking. So, man, tell the people a little bit about yourself and what you're doing out there and how you got started. Man, it goes a while back, you know, nothing's easy. Like I said, I come from Long Beach, California. I live on the north side, the west side, on the east side, but I'm from the east side. Basically, growing up, you know, like most kids, you know, most brown-skinned kids, ethnic kids, minorities and whatnot, no father in the home. My mother wasn't on drugs, you know, nothing like that. She had no addiction. She just ended up being a single mother, but she worked and, you know, worked a lot, actually, you know, worked two or three jobs at one time. Grandmother was there, grandma worked, grandmother's a uh, social worker. So I grew up being raised by two strong women who had to take up that role by choice. You know what I mean? So, you know, me, my brother, and later on, you know, my older sister grew up humble. Nothing. And I, when I say humble, I don't mean impoverished or broke or anything like that because my parents always, you know, worked hard to make sure we had everything. So, you know, we lived like others we didn't live like others if that makes sense i didn't realize we were broken until i was like a little elementary school. i didn't realize that in comparison to other people that like oh dang i don't have a lot like other people I, you know hit me early on and now i got to where i'm now is just back watching my mom struggle i've been building plenty of times where i watched my mom cry over the bills you know as a kid and i watched her stress out i watched her you know from my own point of view work 16 18 19 hours a day seven days a week you know working jobs and whatnot and all this most people will say oh, i want to help my mom out i want to do this and this and that my mindset was different my mindset was what can i do to make sure i don't go through this later on excuse me hot rod it sounds like your yeah. mom was a success so far i might be interviewing the wrong person no i'm just kidding go back to you <laughs> you feel me that's a great mom man i'm look i wish i could meet your mom Man, you know, uh, my mom is awesome. I mean, I don't say that to put down anybody else's mom, but I have yet to meet another mom that's brown-skinned, you know, like my mother. You know, she didn't smoke. She didn't drink. She didn't do drugs. She didn't have a bunch of boyfriends over us. My mom didn't even date. She was truly focused on her family, raising us, you know, and making sure we was A1 the best she could. So, and she's that way my whole entire life. And even now she's that way. At almost 60 years old, she's still that way. You know, so I have a different mindset. Just because, just because of that reason, you feel me? Look, my, my mindset towards women is a whole different mindset. So I'm harder on women. 
through because I, I'm, I'm comparing them to what I saw as possible, my mother and my grandmother. I know what's possible, what a woman can do, or what a woman can achieve. I witnessed this. Y'all substandard, because y'all, y'all not really doing nothing. think you're doing a lot, but you're really low level, so... That's old, you know, but... What you're saying, that's what made you you, though, and that's what's important, because I think a person's background can make or break them, and I think if it breaks them, then that's when they got to realize we want something different. But it sounds like, listening to you, that that background and support, like you said, you didn't have the money, but you had that moral fiber. You had that that get-out-and-get-it-the-legit way. But I'm sure you made mistakes along the way, because... Us brown-skinned people, because I'm brown-skinned too, hey, I know we go for that easy dollar and that fast dollar. So what made Hot Rod different, or, or was he different? And if he was, when did he change? What, what made me different is the fact that the hardships, if you want to call them hardships, and I say that only because I don't ever want to think that I went through so much stuff. There's people in other countries that went through way worse, you know what I mean? So if you want to call what I went through hardship, tough times or whatever, what have you, Instead of fueling me to be ignorant and, and continue on the cycle, it motivated me. Even now, I have a burning desire not to be like that. I, I do everything I can not to be that way. And I made a lot of what some people would call bad choices. You know, I sold dope. I started gangbanging. Started at a young age. You know what most people do. I started gangbanging. And I had my own motivation behind it, you feel me? But I just wanted to do different. I mean, you name it, I probably better from gangbanging to selling dope to even pimping bitches. It's the same thing. Well, you know what, Hot Rod? I don't want you to feel like you're saying something that you don't want people to hear because all my shows, which are Highway to Success, Journeys in Hip-Hop, and Voices Heard Around the World, and Hip-Hop Highway, they're all about where we came from and where we're going. So, actually, I think that it's more inspiring for us to know, hey, is he really like us, or did he have that golden spoon in his mouth? So, you telling us, like, hey, cause look, we all done got undone done dirt, but don't downplay it like to be ashamed of it because Honestly, that's what makes it great. You know what I mean? That's what makes like how you got where you're going great by knowing how you made them choices. Because I tell people, it's some choice that you make that would determine your life. And it seemed like you figured that out. What did it take for you to figure that out, Hot Rod? You know what? Watching struggle, that's what made me figure it out. Watching struggle. I had a, if you want to call it a bourgeois mentality as a kid. I didn't want to struggle. I didn't want to not have. If I chose to have knockoffs, it's because I wanted to be cheap. I wanted that be the reason. I wanted to be the reason why I had to buy something that wasn't name brand because I couldn't afford it. I wanted to be because I just didn't want it or didn't like it. So watching my mom struggle, and to be honest with you, to be completely honest, watching my mom struggle while my grandmother had the full financial capability to help to the max. And for whatever reason, my grandma chose not to go her hardest and help. And that showed me that in this world, you have nobody. I don't care what nobody's related to you. I don't care what anybody says. I don't feel nobody promises at the end of the day. Nobody owes you nothing. Nobody's going to do nothing. And if they do, God bless them. If they don't, keep it rolling. You know what I mean? I learned that. Because I had family who could have saw what was going on and chose not to. You know, for whatever their reasons are, they didn't. So I learned go out and get it by eating meat necessary. Even to this day, wherever, wherever it makes money that don't involve children, animals, and elderly people, chances are I'm game for it. And that's the difference between me and everyone else. I learn, I sit back and I watch the 1% of, of the society, 5% of the world, and these 1%ers, these 5%ers, these so-called rich and wealthy people. There's only one thing that they got over all of us, and that they're willing to make a sacrifice that we're not. We find every excuse why we shouldn't do, can't do, or won't try. The rich and the wealthy don't care, and that's what makes them rich and wealthy. That's what makes us keep struggling. So I learned that mentality. So if I say, if I don't care, let's get this bread, I'll constantly have it. And so far, that's 
that's what it's been like. Going on 20 years, I've always had some money. So how old are you, Hot Rod? Well, I'm 33, about to be 34. Okay, so at what point did you start that gang life and uh, the fast street hustling? At what point, how deep did you get into it? First of all, how deep did you get into that gang life? Or do you want to talk about that? Talk about it. I started the whole gang life and started gang banging around nine years old. At a young age, I was introduced to it. I got into it at nine years old, started cripping all night, uh, rolling 20s in Long Beach. And um, I saw how they were, but I also saw the gangs in Carson and stuff like that. The networks. I saw the entrepreneurial aspect of gangbanging. For me, gangbang wasn't an out for me. Well, oh, my dad's not home, and you go gangbang, find a father. That wasn't it like most people do. Um, true, if I had a father run out with something, I would have been in that route. That's probably true. But gangbanging, nine years old, I started officially gangbanging for putting in work around 12 years old, actually literally in Long Beach, Long Beach, California. I was fortunate enough and not go to prison for the rest of my life. Well, you know what? I started gang banging when I was seven years old. So I understand about putting in with that work. And I was rolling with the GDs in the Midwest. You know, so we we on the same page. So that's not nothing that we trying to hide from the people. We trying to let the people know, hey, like, hey, look, you don't have to walk that walk because your environment tries to dictate that to you. You said, hey, I wanted something different. I just saw that people was out there had a business mind because a, because a gang is a business. It's an organization. It got structure. And if you're just a foot soldier, you might not never see that. But if you rise up in the ranks, you start realizing, man, there's a structure to this madness. So anyway, now that I interrupted you, back to so uh, you start seeing it that it was an entrepreneurship to it. Yeah, there, there is. A lot of people don't understand it. They do. They don't realize that they understand it. I didn't rise up in ranks as far as a shot caller. I wasn't in ranks as far as mentality. I mean, I got my stripes, stars, and bars. Don't get it twisted. Those are no one can't deny that. But I grew up in an area where there were no cell phones. You know, there was no social media. There was no and education. So what you do about your education you was out there in the streets, Hot Rod? Right? You know what? Um, I graduated high school early from um, Jordan High School. I fully graduated at 17. I graduated at 16. I am earning uh, more credits than I expected. And so they let me go 
in 2001, I graduated. They wouldn't let me walk with my graduating class in 2002. So in the meantime, I enrolled in Calvin Long University. Um, my mom worked for GT at that time, General Telephone. Now it's called Verizon. And through her job, I can go to college for free. I can go to any college on the West for free because of her union. So I showed Calvin Long because well, she was free. I was going to go to a university. I didn't want to go to UCLA because LA is not Long Beach. Not Long Beach. No brainwash, so I went to Calvary Long Beach and rolled in on the MBA program, doing business administration and studying entrepreneurship, business math, business economics, and things of that nature. And then around that time, I also joined um, a technical um, college called Regional Occupation Program, which is an ROP in Signal Hill. Went through there, got a certificate of completion, and I remember talking to my teacher, and he said to me, Why are you in school? And I probably didn't want him being a white guy, though, because he kind of stirred me, didn't want me to go to school, nothing like that. But I got what he was saying. That look, kid, I'm going through your your folder, your portfolio. I'm talking to you. I talked to your mom. I talked to your grandmother. You actually own your own business already as a kid. You already started an entrepreneurial journey. If you keep going the way you're going, you're gonna hit six figures before you're thirty. And what I'm teaching you in this class, and what you're learning at Cal State to do later on, you're gonna achieve already on your own. You're already on that path. He's gonna drop out of um, um, Cal State, but I was gonna continue with ROPs that don't do it. Take a certificate and keep going. So I just took that around with him. I stopped school. I just got out of town. State, but I quit. What's the point? And he's absolutely right. Because I touched six figures at 24 years old. That was my first time. I mean, I remember sitting down in my condo. I had moved to Vegas when I was 21. Long story short, I just moved because it would be cheaper and easier for my mom to maintain, so I went with her. Anyway, so I remember being 24 years old, sitting in Vegas in my condo on my bed and staying up all night, all day, count money. And I remember having $750,000. You know, just in cash, just sitting there like, oh, damn, like, because I'm rich. That's why I thought I didn't understand money. And I remember saying he's right, because at 13 years old, I started this company called Overall Records, my own record label, because I wanted a record deal so badly, that I don't want to do no demos, I don't want to sign to nobody. I thought the whole demo process was stupid. I never liked it. So I started Overall Records, and I was making what they call nowadays mixtapes. I was doing compilation CDs as a 13-year-old kid. I was the little cotton ball and cassette tape put that little corner and I tape over everything, put my own little mix of songs and stuff like that, go down to the Lakewood 99 cent store and get a pack of CDRs, back then with a dollar CD, and I'd burn them, right? So I hit the streets, selling CDs, Ivy Brothers, Commodores, you know, um, Snoop Dogg, Tupac, you know, all that stuff on CD for like 20 bucks a CD with like 30 songs on it. So I started earning money, like hand over fist. Like I'm selling people 30 songs for, for 20 bucks, they were buying it. So next thing you know, I'm in Long Beach, Lakewood, Downey, Artesia, Belfar, San Pedro, Wilmington, as a kid in my backpack, catching cabs and catching buses. As a kid, when my mom's at work, she's thinking I'm at school, I'm bitch. You feel me? And I'm up there catching cabs, hopping on buses, little kids, lying to cab driver, oh yeah, I'm going to my mom's job, I'm going home, shaking gas, and all that. So people expected you to be a dumb little kid especially when you're brown skin. So I played to that. You know, I, I played though far from stupid. So as soon as you know, I hand over fifth, I'm doing 30, 40, 50, sometimes 100 CDs a week at 20 bucks a pop. You know, you add that up. So I started doing all that. Oh, dang, I got this money. I can't tell nobody because if I tell my grandma, she make me pay bills. But I tell my mom, she's struggling. She's going to need it all. So I'm going to piss in a little bit and stash the rest. I pay a little bit. Help my mom out and I stashed the rest. And I did, I helped my mom out because I go out on the weekends so getting allowance money, I just paid for myself. So at 16 years old, I ain't buying my own low rider in 85 colors, a world blue inside and out. And I'm the only one from Long Beach 20s as a kid with that little car. What kind of place is Long Beach? So for those of us who don't know, what kind of what kind of environment is Long Beach? What's the inner city like where you was growing up when you was grinding? What was that like? Long Beach is a very big little city. 
Uh, I say that because Long Beach is a small city, but it's very big. You cannot live in Long Beach for more than two years and not be known by everybody, almost everybody there. They may not know you personally, but they recognize your face. You know, so Long Beach, you're easily recognizable if you're living in Long Beach for a year or two. You can put your head in. Long Beach is a coastal city. It's a harbor city. Long Beach is a beautiful city. Long Beach got a lot of gangs inside of it. But it's not one of those cities that got a whole bunch of gangs and looks like a bunch of gangs, like others like Compton. Compton, you can tell Compton is run down. Compton has hoods, Compton has poverty. You can look at Compton and tell. There's nothing rich about Compton anymore. That died in the 50s. So, but Long Beach, you can Long Beach, oh my God, it's a peaceful city. Palm trees, white people walking around, blah, 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 blah. And it's gang banging. So, Long Beach is an all crib city where even those white boys will still say cuz. The white boys will say cuz. This is the, that's the culture. The only part of Long Beach that's kind of destitute, that's kind of um, downpouring, will be North Long Beach. Anything, I say anything south, not south, anything north of the Lama, you start going downhill. Like, oh damn, y'all look just like Compton. You know, stuff like that. South of the Lama going up, you know, we got basically no Wrigley area, the east side. Even the east side Long Beach, where I'm from, you know, we got 20s, we got Insane, we got east side SOS, we got Long Oaks, we got BT13, we got Asian Boy, the Dark Family, we got all these different gangs. We still, for some whatever, whatever reason, we all care about our, our environment. We all care about our city. Long Beach is the only city I've ever been to outside of LA where everybody actually loves their city. It's a hometown filled with people in Long Beach. Love Long Beach. We have our own culture. It's a Long Beach culture. So even though we're gangbang, blah, 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 you know, we may have no walls here and, here and there, but we actually care about our city. Even though, even as a gangbang, you care about your city. So the east side looks nice, in my opinion. You know, it looks nice. You know, but it's very cultural. It's very, very, very hometown filled. We have a lot of, me personally, I go to Long Beach, I don't shop nowhere that's not mom and pop. From Long Beach clothing to 1897 to, to Long Beach homegrown to, you know, Mario's, all different, different places. I always shop at, you know, mom and pop locations, homegrown places. Yeah, so Hot Rod, that's what I was uh, trying to walk us down that road a little bit. So you say you're out here, you stashing money. You got legit. You learn how to take them, uh, bootleg, use some uh, tapes and put them together. You use your brain. Bootleg might have been the wrong word, but you know I was just saying, basically, you put it together. And uh, what stopped you from just using drugs and being a drug addict and standing out there in a corner and just out there working for a high? You know, you and I both know that mostly that's how the streets turn out. What made Hot Rod different? What made Hot Rod say, hey, I want to get that money? Tell us that part of the story. Not coming from a drug drug household. I love power. I'm a control freak. I like being in control. I like being a leader. I like having all the power. I like having all the authority and the control. You cannot maintain those attributes about yourself and those aspects of life if you are not in control of yourself. Drugs make you lucid. Alcohol makes you inebriated. When you're inebriated and you're lucid, you're not in full control. People may think they're in full control, but they're not. That's part of drug and alcohol lying to you. And I have to be in full control. If I'm not in full control, I can be taken advantage of, rob, make a mistake, go to jail, get caught, stuff like that. I've never been high in my life. So I'm I've never been drunk in my life. A lot of people may not understand or believe that, but it's true. I don't know what drunk being feels like. I don't know what um, being high feels like. I don't know any of that. I'm always in control. I'm always focused. And I think that's the percent of the reason why I don't know what prison looks like. Okay, so you've never been in prison. So you've been making some good decisions on your own. No, we're going to take that back, excuse me, with a strong mom and an even stronger grandma who taught your mom, hey, look, you had that child. That's your child to take care of. And your mom taught you, hey, look, I'm out here working hard. I need you to be independent and make your own way and, and go by what I taught you. It seems like so far you followed the plan that was meant for Hot Rod. You know, I didn't know you from Kingdom Come until I talked to you today. And, you know, we kind of had a rough time getting together on this interview and I was starting to think man this guy ain't worth it but you know honestly Hot Rod told 
talking to you today. I'm actually impressed because it's weird how you and I had the same parallel world, but you wouldn't know that. But I grew up in foster care, and I had to make my own way since I was seven years old. And let me tell you something. I cut grass. I cut people hedges. I knock on the doors because I paint their playgrounds. Look, I dropped off newspaper at people's doors. Rain, sleet, or snow in the Midwest, buddy. It ain't easy out here. I mean, you know what? I made my own way. And now I know I made a good choice by waiting for a busy man like Hot Rod to uh, get the time so he could tell us how it really goes to be an entrepreneur. So now we're up to Hot Rod's out here. He's uh, mixing up tapes. He's setting them legally. He's putting a few dollars in his mom's pocket and he's stashing dollars. Now Hot Rod, take it from there. I learned what to do with, with the money. You know what I mean? There's no point in having money if you don't have the mentality behind it. I don't care who you are, what you think about yourself. There's no point, I'll say this again, there's no point in having a bunch of money if you're not going to do anything with it that's substantial. There's assets and there's liabilities. And I educate myself. My mom would see on the interview and she would tell you, she take me to the library, the Dana Branch Library in Long Beach on the west, in the Wrigley area, but it's no area. And I would go there every week and I would, I would check out like a stack of books, talking about seven, eight, nine books, 10, 11, 12 books. All about business, economics, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, investments, all that stuff. And, I, and she was like, why do you want to do all of this? Why? You're a kid. Go have fun. You want to get to be a kid once because I don't care about all that. I want to learn how not to be poor. I don't want to be poor. Being, being poor sucks. I know what poor looks like, and that's terrible. There's nothing gangster about that. There's nothing real about that. There's nothing humble about that. Being poor is terrible in all levels of form. Now, I do believe that everybody should experience poverty once in their life so they can appreciate things they do have. A lot of people who are born with gold spoons in the mouth, silver spoons in the mouth, have to have a bourgeois attitude because they never experience I know how that feels. 
So um, I talked to these females, and I ended up giving my first girl at 14 years old. Not for, I was 16, she was 14. Um, her and her homegirl, two Mexican girls. And I talked to them. They was already out there being fat, and my grandma would call it being fat and being trifling, doing everything for free. And I sat them down, like, well, check this out, big this. You, you have all these different boyfriends. You sleep with them. You ain't getting none out of them. They're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? You ain't getting none out of them. At the end of the day, you go home with your bills are still due. Why don't you do the same activity and get some money out of it? Because my mindset is this. Everything you're doing, why do you wake up in the morning to result you earn some money? That's my mindset. If I brush my teeth, I should get paid for it. Everything should be about getting paid. Somehow, some way. If, it, if you're not getting paid, you should be doing it for free. That's my mentality, even to this day. So I talk to these two girls that look big lips. You're doing it for free. Add a fee to it and get some money. So how do I get a fee to blah, 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 blah. They look pretty, blah, 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 blah. I said, now like, I'll show you how to do it. And I had no idea that this was choosing, this was choosing time. I put me a choosing fee. I didn't know none of that. I didn't have that structure. I didn't have that kind of game. Only I knew was whole long defense. That's only I knew. I had no the details of it. So I started getting it. And I had them out there on Magnolia PCH getting the truck stops and the, the Bright Spot restaurant and the little pizza little motel up on um, Magnolia getting some money. And then I started getting all the money. I'm like, oh, where I do this? My uncle, uncle from 60, uncle Sugarbear, rest in peace. He's from 60. And he was a gangbanger and he was a pimp. He sat me down like, look, nephew, this is what you're doing wrong. This is how you need to do it. He laced my tennis shoes. Lace my stuff up nice. And after that, I went back and said, hey, check this out. I need choosing trees. So what do you mean? In my mind, it's already like six months into the game. I'm like, man, I need choosing trees. And then what do you mean? So that's when that game manager came out of me. I'm like, man, can I need choosing trees? And, um, and what do you need? I said, no, I need $500. Right now, each one of y'all, both y'all, to go five hundred dollars. Not knowing, I should charge more. Number one, number two, not knowing, I'm always late in the game. I was all pimping backwards. So anyway, I turned eighteen. I let them go because my homie at the time, my best friend, who I'm still in contact with today, got my hands and look, bro, you're eighteen years old now. These bitches are sixteen. Let them fly. So I let that bird fly. Once again, avoiding jail and shit like that. So, um. I took that money, went to my uncle, gave me some more game, raised my attention again. And at the point, I started hitting bitches like, look, you want to choose me? I need a thousand up front. Well, I can't fuck with you. And then that, that arrogance and that confidence was so damn cold with him. It's like, damn, why you want a thousand up front? I'm like, look, if I got to take a chance, then you got to pay in advance. Fuck you. Let's get this money. So at that point, I started doing that. So from 18 up until like 24, 25, I'm knocking bitches. I still do not to this day, but just, it's not the same way. You know what I mean? So, I learned how to print bitches and knock them and stuff like that. So I was getting that money too. And then, when I moved up to Vegas, Vegas is so cold, you feel me? Vegas is so, in my opinion, being from California, Vegas is weak. They don't know California hustle. They don't know Chicago hustle. They don't know New York hustle. They don't know Atlanta, Georgia hustle. They don't know none of that. They're not, they're not primed to it. So if he needs to come up there with our rock swagger, our, our game, you know, and knocks them down. And they don't even see it coming. So I did that. But once, once again, though, I put all that to say, as I got the money, I put it into stocks. I put it into my bank account. I didn't touch it. You know what I mean? I would incorporate companies. I form LLCs, INCs. You know, I, I get business licenses. And, you know, and sellers come in, wholesalers come in. I go back to to the Cali, I go down to the alley. We call it the alley the garden district. I use my wholesale license and I buy a shitload of pro clubs, a big ass box of pro clubs. And I come back to Vegas and I sell them at 10 bucks a pop. Because back then, a few years ago, pro clubs was hard to find. So everything in LA was hard to find. So I'm selling LA shit, bitches and pro clubs and socks, you know, checks. So I'm buying all wholesale, my wholesale license. So I'm flipping it and getting the real legitimate money. So 
as I'm doing all that, I wash my money clean. I'm able to do that shit. But um, that's basically the mindset, you know. There's no point of earning a dollar. If you want to make that dollar turn into two, number one, and number two, how to make that one dollar mean something tomorrow. Well, uh, Hot Rod, I would say that uh, so far the story you told, you know what? That's a story that uh, a lot of us got, but yours took it to the business level way above and beyond. Now that's who I want us to talk about, because now we got the background. First, we wanted, I wanted my audience to know that, hey, he done got dirty. He done got down and dirty, but he still knew something different he wanted out of life. See, that's what was, that what was driving him. So now, Hot Rod... What now are you doing now that you got that mindset? What about college degree? Did you ever uh, get a college degree, or how did that work out for you? I never went back and got a degree. I felt like I didn't need it, you know, simply for the fact that, in my, this is my opinion, a college degree only proves to other people that you're smart. And, and you can be smart on paper, but you have no experience behind your degree. You, you have left. There's so many college, there's so many people with college degrees or college graduates working at Walmart as greeters for nine dollars an hour because they have the, the knowledge, but they lack experience. No, they lack the mindset. That too. That too. That too. too that for sure. That's the main thing they lack is that mindset. You know. That that push push don't come up for air until until you accomplish your goal. You know, so that's the point I want to make out. Hey, look, this man he kept on going no matter what. Cause a lot of people think that they gotta like clone. It's gotta be a college degree. It's gotta be a family support. And you're like, hey, no matter what got thrown at me, I knew I wanted something better. I, you know, that's what Andrew Carnegie said. He said, hey, I gave you libraries and I gave you museums. Go educate yourself. And see, you fell right into where I was going with that because that's what I've heard about you, that you was a go-getter. So now tell us, Hot Rod, what are you doing today? Where are you at today? What what did you do to make it happen today? You got your licenses. You walked this walk. What, who is Hot Rod right now today? Right now, today, I start from ground, on ground zero. I, I redid everything wrong. All the LCs I had before, I let them all go. I dissolved them, let it go. And I start, I launched Duck Bang Clothing, which is my, my brand that I'm actually pushing, and Duck Gang Records, the record company that I'm pushing. Um, I formed that, got the LLCs going, business lights, all that good stuff, all that whole corporate setup. And what I'm doing now is pushing the brand. With what I already know, the all the mistakes that I've made, I've made, I've made six figure mistakes. I'm not even gonna lie. But um, I bounced back from it because I'm like, yeah, you're not a real hustler. If you can't lose it all and get it back. So, what I'm doing right now today is still asking for help and trying to get business loans and all that weird garbage. You got to pay people back. I said, you know what? I'm going to sell t shirts. I'm going to sell beanies. I'm going to sell bandanas. All dub game. And I'm going to use the, the money I get off of that as a way to raise money for my record company. So that way I, I can go. Get my studio time. If I can pay for beats, I don't make none myself. I can buy my own equipment. I can, you know, get mortgage paid, rent paid, you know, whatever I need to pay. So I use my mindset what I already know to sell shirts. As far as support, you're absolutely right because people are always too late. As far as dubbing concerned, I sold about a little over 5,000 shirts. All dubbing t shirts, dubbing record t shirts. And I can probably count on two hands how many homies bought it. They actually know me, that fuck with me, that's from the same hood as me. 
90% of my sales come from overseas, India, Russia, Indonesia, um, New Zealand, Australia, Europe. So I have people from overseas who don't know what Bell Game means, don't know what it stands for. Tell us what it stands for, Hot Rod. Hot Rod, get us there. What does it stand for? Bell Game is Bell Game is Bell Game. Bell Game is Rolling Twins. That's a nickname that we have for Rolling Twins. Play it simple. We call it the dove. The dove is a bird, and the bird comes in two pairs. It's two times, and one twenty first, we ride a deuce card. So it's dove game. But it's just dove game is more politically correct. It's more easy on the ears. And for those who are those who are square, those who aren't involved with the street culture, will see my levels. Oh, cool! It's a pretty bird. It's black and gold. It's a pretty bird. That's pretty different. Oh, dove game. That's pretty different. And they just voted buy into it, and that's cool. If you're from, if you're from the streets and each fits from Long Beach, LA, people look at that and go, okay, just do some twenties. I get this. But outside of that, the rest of the world's not gonna understand that. And that's why I'm able to sell two thousand t shirts in India. I'm able to sell five hundred shirts, you know, up to up in Bangladesh uh, Bangladesh. I got a dude named Javi walking the Dub game shirt, you don't even know why he's doing it. He still paid the thirty dollars to do it. You know what I mean? So that's the thing. So I learned how to reach masses. If you if you create a company or a brand that's only gonna give to one audience, then your money's limited. Exactly. If you make your company, you your company or your brand able to where everybody else can use it and love it, you'll sell more. And that's why Dub Gang moves. They don't think Dub they don't think gang banging. You know, they, you, know, you know the word gang is in the title, they don't think gang banging. I talk to white people, Asians, Mexicans, everyone who's square, they don't think gang banging. They think a flock of birds. And that's perfect. And you know what's kind of weird, how again, our highways cross, because my, my major fan base is from China, Bangladesh, Indonesia, uh, Lagos, which is in Nigeria, Zambia. Yeah. How I know that is because I get analytics for, because I got four international shows. And you know, when I first, when I first started, I graduated from uh, Western Illinois University in Macomb, and you know what? There was, like, no outlet. They wanted me to go and work for $25,000 a year and getting a one minute and 30 seconds on uh, TV. But I was like, man, no way am I about to do that. I got too much to put on the table. That's what I like about your story because there's a lot of people that feel like us. So you know what? I put the work in. You know what? I'm talking about 18 hours a day. I'm talking about, man, I'm going to sleep. Man, no, I'm going to get up in two hours and get back at it. If I have an idea... I get up early. I get up right in the middle of my sleep, and I press record on my iPhone. I was like, man, I can't forget this idea. I can't forget this idea. I wake up, and I was like, man, this is how I did it. I took advantage of every opportunity. You know what? From the street hustle to legitimate hustle, it's all the same. It's all about supply and demand. And like you said, you expanding your audience. You're like, hey, man, look, my homies, they was hating on me. They really didn't support me. But you know what? I don't know how you reached out to those other countries because these are the stories that I want an entrepreneur to tell because you are going to be in a show called Voices Heard Around the World. So tell me, how did you reach around the world, Hot Rod? You, you, you know what? Like I said, it's, it's sounds easy. It really is easy. I use tags. Like, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and I use certain hashtags. That's it. I hashtag shit. I would hashtag... Germany, Europe, India. I put that in hashtags. That's all it was. I do hashtags. That's, and it's, it's worked out for me. I did hashtags. 
I promote it. I, I hop on Facebook. And they got this little thing on Facebook where you do like a dollar for a promotion. They'll promote you for a whole day for a dollar. They a dollar. They haven't got a dollar. Here, here, here's five dollars. Go hard. And I, and I choose my hashtags. And what next you know, I'm getting 50 hits, 20 hits, 30 hits, 100 website visits. And every, every 100 website visits, I'm getting four or five cents. You know, that's not a lot. But it, it's, it made money. You know, so... Well, I'm familiar to understand this from my experience. Like, I'm not a billionaire yet. I'm not a millionaire yet. But I do know my, my little bit of success now is that the only avenue that's not available to you, the avenue that you can find out about. You have to constantly research, constantly study, constantly be open-minded, what to do the different, mm-hmm. the, the extraordinary. Don't copy the next the steps because you may not match your shoot guys. Learn what he did. And in my opinion, learn his mistakes first. Learn his mistakes first. So you know what not to do. As long as you know what not to do, that leaves the door open to everything that you should do. And that's what I do. I take risks. I take chances. Like I said, the 1% and the 5% mentality. Those people take risks. They don't care. They sacrifice. As long as you're willing to hustle and be an entrepreneur within the confines of your own um, bubble, your own safety net, you'll never be successful. Hey, hot rod. What's going on? Hey, uh, you you read Steve Harvey books? Nope. You know what? I didn't either. My girl, she's a DJ Miss Heather. She's the other co-host on this uh site. I'm gonna tell you. Yeah. She started reading Steve Harvey books to me a lot. At first, I'm like, man, I don't want to hear that. I got my own ideas. But you know what? I learned how wide. You know what? When you read, you learn things. So I opened my mind up. And he said that it took all his failures to make him a success. You know what? That's what you've been saying this whole time. You're like, hey, man, I fell down and made mistakes. But, man, I looked at what I was doing right, and I didn't concentrate what I was doing wrong. And I think that's what a lot of people do. They make a mistake and they give up. To me, when I make a mistake, that just means don't repeat that, but go by the part that you did, that you get did get successful at. And when I'm listening to you, I'm hearing how what it takes to be successful. To you, success was like, hey, man, at least I'm touching these people. You know, I'm getting five sales. That means I did five things right. And you said, hey, I realized that social media was an outlet that I needed to get it out. You know, I'm kind of breaking it down so my audience can hear you because, bro, you talk so deep. I'm not sure that everybody else can follow you. I mean, they want to follow you, but, bro, you talking at that level that, People usually have to have college degrees to get. See, that's why I want to teach everybody. You don't have to have a college degree. You don't have to let society dictate who you are. You don't have to say, well, my brother was a GD. My father's a crib. He was a blood. You know, and the list goes on. You know what? I'm going to use part of that game, but I'm going legit. You had utmost respect for your mom, for your grandma, and you saw them out there hustling and grinding. You know what? So, hence, hot rod means all gas. And no break. So anyway, so you're there, you cross the country. You weren't in a hot rod, by the way. You had to be in a boat by then. Now you're on social media. So anyway, you're over there. You're making a little bit things work. They're getting better. Then all of a sudden, you said Dove Records. You find out like, hey, people kind of just like grab it onto that image. So you see like everything you did, you find out what part of it worked and the part it didn't work, you were willing to let it go. 
So I kind of broke it down just a little bit because I want people to really understand you. Because I believe there's a lot of entrepreneurs right there across the street from us, right next door to us. You know, we got to collaborate. We got to bump ideas and interchange ideas. And all this hating, man, only 10% of your homies out of all the homies you knew. You know why? Because you, you was leaving them behind. And you know what? They didn't want to support you. You was like, well, you know what? We cool. We broke bread. But now I'm on something different. Now you said, I ain't a billionaire yet. So you're going to be a billionaire. Is that what you're predicting right now? That's my, that's my, that's my whole goal. Okay. So what's some of Hot Rod's goals? What's, what's Hot Rod's goals? 2018, where you at it? Um, home ownership. Um, international travel. One international travel. I've already been in nine countries already. So international traveling and, and the whole purpose of, of gaining land. There's, I don't, I don't want to travel just to have fun anymore. I want to travel and buy land. I want to travel and buy my coffee shop. I want to travel and buy a business and expand. You have to expand and conquer. That's what Attila the Hunt teaches us. That's what Alexander the Great teaches us. That's what Pontius Pilate teaches us. Caligula teaches us. These are all these historical figures from before. This is what they teach you to do. Go out and conquer. None of these, none of these great, you can't speak on one great leader in history. of a cutter who became great standing still in his home spot. You're not going to find one in history because it don't exist. The only way to be great in any field you want to be, the only way to be great in any field you want to be is you have to leave where you're comfortable at, where you're used to, your familiarity, and go to unknown, uncharted land and conquer. That's the only way to build your brand, build your name, expand your reach, and build your water. That's the only way to do it. And a lot of homies don't do that I know because they don't leave Long Beach. So what business do you have right now? What businesses, give us some of your main ones, the ones that maybe we can reach out and get on a website. How do we find you? What's some of the things that you're offering? Because uh, I'm going to see if we can get you, get your name out there through our through our uh, four international programs. Plus, you're a very interesting person to deal with. And man, I'm sure you got quality stuff. So like, what are you doing right now? Like, what's your brands? Where are they at? And how can people get a hold of you? Dove Gang is the brand, Dove Gang Records, Dove Gang Clothing, Dove Gang Everything, Dove Gang is the brand. Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram at Dove Gang 20s, on Instagram and Facebook at Ballistic 20s, Instagram and Facebook, and Ballistic is spelled differently, it's B-A-L-Y-Z-T-Y-K-2-0-S, and then Dove Gang spelled correctly, 2-0-S, Instagram, Facebook, same name, there's a website, it's still being built right now because I just bought the domain for DoveGangRecords.com, so we're still building that. As of right now, I got a storefront on Rage On. Um, so you go on Rage On, you can Google Rage On, go to that, type in Duff Game Clothing, Duff Game Records, either one, I pop up. If you go to the, the Facebook page and the Instagram page, there's links for both websites, for both storefronts. And on that storefront, I'm selling Duff Game shirts, shoes, socks, um, hoodies, sweaters, leggings, you name it. And we've been doing orders, we've been pushing, you know, a Rolling 20 brand for all the homies across the nation of Bang 20. I got clothing for them too on the website. And we've been just reaching out like that, just pushing a whole brand. And I've learned the power of pushing a brand. Even though I have a record company, I do music and stuff like that. I learned the importance, once again, watching the white people, watching the Jews, watching the Arabs, watching the true 1% of the world, that you have to market your brand for your product. If you market your brand and get people to, to be familiar with your brand and like your brand, associate your brand with positivity, then whatever product your brand releases... Associated with positivity. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. 
For example, a lot of people buy, buy Dasani water bottles. They love Dasani. People think Dasani is a, a name brand, and Dasani water is a name brand, but people don't know the Coca-Cola owns it. See what I'm saying? Because you, they push a brand for you to like it. They didn't, you didn't, they didn't know what people were buying. Consumers didn't realize who actually behind it. So as I push Doug Gang, Doug Gang, Doug Gang, Doug Gang, they had no idea how behind it. They think there's a team behind it. There's no team. It's just me, myself, and I. You say uh, you got a record label? Yeah, Doug Gang Records. Okay, what kind of music you play? Right now, we do hip-hop, R&B, and open. Any artist that, that's good at what they do, whether it be pop, it could be soca, it could be pagan music. It doesn't matter to me. If you're good at what you do, it's just by your career, chances are we're going to work with you. Just try to work with you. I don't want to be that company just because I'm urban, because I'm, I'm a minority. All I do is hip-hop and R&B and rap. That's so cliche. If we do that, I like that music. But in order to be successful, once again, you just copy that 1%. You got to be open to everything and everyone. And that's what I want to do. So are you I, an artist I, I, yourself, or are, are you just producing? or, or how, What do you do with the music? Are you an artist, or what? I'm an artist myself underneath my own label, because once again, I like to sign myself. I don't want nobody telling me what I shouldn't and should not say, how I want to present myself. So I sign myself to Doug Green Records, and I also make my own beats. So, you know, like I said, ground level with building right now. I got, I got to do a few tours with a couple studios, the favorite studio I want to record in, and... And that's part of my mistakes because last time I launched a company called Pierce Entertainment and we did good. I had about six um, artists, not including me, and I put about $100,000 to everybody. We did shows in Vegas, sold a few CDs, stuff like that, but the artists that I had were not serious. I was the most serious one out of the whole entire group. So I, I ended up losing money. I made it back eventually, but initially I lost it all. So that taught me. I'm going to do my label this time. I'm going to test run everything about my record label on me first because I'm trying to handle it. Out of my failures and my, and, my, and, my, and my winning, and then once I got my formula down with myself and, and my company, then I can reach out and bring some into the fold. You shouldn't bring them out into the fold if you yourself are not situated correctly. Anyway, all you do is fail. You won't look like you know what you're doing. So this time around, I'm going to use myself as a test run to know what works and what doesn't work before I bring in other artists. Yeah, you know, there's a saying that goes, it takes a thousand failures equal to one success. And, you know, Steve Harvey, you know, he said that he slept underneath the bridge with a cooler and went to a food pantry every day. He said he'd make $300 a show, but it would cost him exactly $300 to get to the next show. And he said when he failed, he said he just tried harder. And now he's got, like, more talk shows, variety shows, and gang shows practically than everybody on TV and radio, and he's the author of books. Is that what you kind of saying? You're going to be an entrepreneur of everything, and you learn from your mistakes. You're willing to deal with anybody and everybody. It don't matter about their genre. It don't matter about their race, their ethnicity, you know, which is the same thing, by the way. It don't matter about their culture. You say you respect everybody's culture, and you realize that overseas is a big market that's untapped. You like, hey, look, I want to get a little piece of me everywhere I go. I'm not here for the fun anymore. I'm out trying to live life legit. I'm willing to make whatever mistakes is necessary because I'm I need to learn. And if I gotta make a mistake to learn, and that's what Hot Rod gonna do. And you know, Hot Rod, I'm really been impressed listening to you today because a lot of people want to brag about their successes. They want to downplay the failures. But to me, if you really want to help somebody, especially if you want them to relate to you then you got to let them know, yeah, I know what it's a fail. Yeah, I know what it's like to go hungry. 
Yeah, I know what it was like to uh, depend women. I know what it was like to sell drugs, but I made a difference and chance in my life. And you teaching them parents, like, hey, the influence that you have on your kids might dictate the choices that they make when they buy themselves when you at work or whatever. They might decide, hey, look, my parents worked hard. I'm going to grind hard, too. Some kids want to play video games. Hot Rod wanted to read books about accounting and blue chips and about stocks. This is what made Hot Rod a success. You know, you came up with a gimmick. Gorgeous George, he was a boxer back in the 60s. He was a wrestler, actually. He told Muhammad Ali, who at that time was Cassius Clay, what he told him was, you got to have a gimmick. He said that's what gets people attention. So what he did, he became Muhammad Ali. Cat, so Cassius Clay be Muhammad Ali. Then he got to be floating like a butterfly and stinging like a bee. That's something that even at your age, everybody remembers that. So you've learned, like, hey, you don't have to, you don't have to just like do things across the board the way everybody else does. Whatever works, works. Social media, that's what's working. You're giving us a lot of information today, and I'm gonna make it sound really good for you. I'm personally gonna go on your website myself, and I'm gonna see uh, what you're working with because I always do that. But is there any kind of message you want to give to people? Because right now, we have 400,000 listeners all across the world. And when you play, that's who's going to be listening to you. And that show that you're going to be on is called Voices Heard Around the World. That's a prima donna show that I created and I format it just for that time and that moment for special people. And if I don't have somebody special put on a hot rod, I don't even play no, no interview. What I do, I play the strictly music. So that's why I was on you pushing you because your friends who know you, they know you was an entrepreneur. They they didn't tell me no bad stuff about you. They always told me like, man, this this young man will get out there and get it at all costs. And that's why I want the world to know you. And you can pay me later when you make that billion dollars. I ain't gonna let you forget. So anyway, is there a message you wanna give anybody out there hot ride? Most definitely. Um Most deaf. Let's get it. The message I have for people listening, first of all let me Money, learn how. If it earns money, 
find out why and make sure it applies to you and then expand. Final thing to, to master your craft in one session, duplicate that in other cities, with other people, other environments, other regions, and travel. Travel. It doesn't, it doesn't cost a lot to travel. People think it does, but it doesn't. Book a trip three months in advance and travel to Kentucky for, for, for that reason. I don't know anybody in Kentucky. Doesn't matter. Go there anyway. You might learn something. Go for two or three days in a hotel. Get out there in the city and learn something. You never know. So, like I said, educate, hustle, expand. Don't let nobody say nothing to you. If they don't like your brand, if they make fun of you, that's great. Because at the end of the day, they'll be asking you to borrow some money. They'll be asking you to get hiring. I know that I've already experienced it already. I'm not even rich yet. I've already had homes coming to me. Want to borrow money. Ask me how I did it. Blah, blah, blah. But they never, they never bought a dub game shirt. So I ain't got nothing, I got nothing for them. I'm the worst one. But that's my message to everyone who's looking. All 400,000 people is educate, hustle, expand in that order. Don't worry about not having enough money now. Now it doesn't mean nothing. Today it doesn't mean nothing. It's tomorrow you're working on. Don't hustle for a turn up. Don't hustle for new shoes. Don't hustle for a new car. Don't hustle to impress that stupid bitch on Instagram. Don't hustle for that, cuz. Hustle for your family, your generations. So that when you die, your great, 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 great grandkids are still eating up of your husband. That's what the Rothschilds did, the Rockefellers, the Carnegie's, the Chases, the Hiltons. This is what they all did. The blueprint. Learn. Expand. And do it silently. Do it finally. Don't tell nobody your moves. Show them. You know what, Hot Rod? All gas and no brakes. That's how I get out. Everything that you said, that's how I started. I started out with nothing, and I formatted and created four talk sh- music talk shows. And you know what? I'm very particular about who goes on there. I, I kind of think that today you fit right in exactly how I was personally feeling today. You know what? Saturday is the number one day that people actually listen to Voices Heard Around the World. So this is going to be perfect. It's not going to air till next Saturday. Voices Heard Around the World with Dove Gang, a.k.a. Hot Rod. You know what? He's he's teaching you guys how to be an entrepreneur, how to take that street game and turn something legit. He's taught you how to make them choices. Don't let them choices make you. He's taught you if you fall down, just think about the things that feel good to you and don't dwell on the past. I'd rather enjoy you spending your time today and giving us your knowledge for free. We might have hustled off of you today. <laughs> but on that note, uh, <laughs> Hot Rod has given you 400,000 plus people across the world. China, Bangladesh, India, Japan. Now, let's going to keep on going on because we constantly going global because the world is just a giant global village. Hot Rod, I thank you for your time. And I know it was hard for me and you to bump heads and get together. Long Beach in the house. You know what? I'm over here in the Midwest. It's one thing we all know. All gas and no brakes. That's how you get where you're going. All right, I'm going to holler at you later, Hot Rod.